Star Wars 7x7 episode 2414. As part of our deeper dive into Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, we are learning a lot more, a lot more, about the Jedi in the time of the High Republic and the Jedi Order and things that they do, the types of lifestyles to which they commit themselves, their abilities, and so forth. And so we're going to start digging into some of that over the next couple of episodes. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So again, we are talking about Into the Dark. This is the novel by Claudia Gray that is the third of the three books that have come out in support of the High Republic cross-platform mega storytelling initiative. And there's a lot that we learn about the Jedi Order. Of course, Light of the Jedi does concern the actions of the Jedi in the face of the Great Disaster and its aftermath, and a test of courage does involve the actions of some Jedi, but we really learn a lot more about the Jedi thanks to Into the Dark than either of those two novels combined. And that's not a criticism, by the way, of those two novels. That's just simply to say that part of the focus of Into the Dark is to explore the Jedi, and particularly the four characters that are Jedi in this book, and all of them have different aspects about themselves that we learn over the course of the novel, and in their discussions with each other, in their reflections and recollections, and their you know interactions with other Jedi, we learn just so much. One of the things that gets brought up near the end of the book actually is something called the Barash Vow. And it was pretty surprising to see it mentioned here, but I mean, perhaps maybe not as much as a surprise as some other things that are revealed. The Barash Vow, according to the ways described in the book, is an extreme commitment to gaining ultimate communion with the Force. Those who took the vow spent years, sometimes even decades, in deep meditation and in solitude. Now, this is not the first time that the Barash vow has been brought up in the new canon. In the second series of Darth Vader comics, which are set in the immediate aftermath of the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire, one of the things that Vader sets out to do in hunting down any of the remaining Jedi includes getting a list of the Jedi who had taken the Barash vow and hunting those folks down. And it's significant because those Jedi are not active. They basically removed themselves from the Jedi Order and from any sort of ongoing activity within the galaxy at large. So, you know, as it's described here in Into the Dark, you know, very same kind of situation. And there is a character who decides that uh, they will take the Barash vow at the end of the book, and I will not spoil things by telling you who it is, all right? I'll just leave that be. So that's one way of interacting with the Force as a Jedi and not being part of the active Jedi Order and the active Jedi activities, if you will. Another way is to become someone referred to as a Wayseeker. And in this particular novel, the character of Orla Jereni, Jereni? Uh, Orla is 
becoming a way seeker. And the way it's described in the book, it says um, she'd recently declared herself a way seeker, a Jedi who would operate independently of the dictates of the Jedi Council. Some Jedi from time to time found themselves drawn to a period of solitary action, whether that meant meditation on a mountaintop, helping revolutionaries on a tyrant-ruled world, or even, in one legendary instance, becoming a minor singing sensation on Alderaan. So, in part of that, not the minor singing sensation, but the meditation thing, that does sound a little bit Barashvau-like, but this is definitely a different kind of thing. And what it amounts to, we learn more about in the flashbacks. Orla is, of course, part of the flashbacks that take place 25 years before the events of the novel, and that flashback happens in, I believe, six parts throughout the course of the novel. So... Ultimately, without spoiling the events of that flashback, what I'll tell you is that Orla's instincts in the Force are different from the instincts of the way the Jedi Council instructs her to act. And the results in the particular situation in the flashback are tragic. And so she says to herself, basically, or arrives at the conclusion that if the Force is telling me one thing and the Jedi Order is telling me another thing, well, it's probably not the Force that's wrong. It's probably the Jedi Order. And so this is why she ultimately, as a result of the events that happen in that flashback situation, she decides, well, actually, it seems like it takes 25 years for her to finally arrive at the decision to become a Wayseeker. I think I'm finally realizing that just right here as we're recording this episode. So, yeah, she finally decides to do that instead. And then we have Master Komak, who is going out to the frontier as a folklorist. And, you know, there are some Jedi that are going out to be you know, peacekeepers and, you know, people who are doing all sorts of problem solving and outreach and that sort of thing. And I guess you could say more action oriented, if you will. But then there are people like Master Komak who will be going to uh, collect local histories and legends with, you know, all these new civilizations, all these new species and people and worlds that they're going to come across. There are stories to hear, there are stories to tell and be told, there are stories to discover. And as Komak tells it, he says, there are always the stories of people want to tell about themselves. And then there are the other stories, the secret ones, the dark ones, the ones whose meanings are more difficult to comprehend. Those aren't the ones they offer to outsiders. Of course, those are generally the most important of all, he says. And I will also say that that particular line right there is the key to just about every character's story arc in this whole book. With the exception of Geode, that is, despite his hilarious presence in the novel, he doesn't really have a character arc. In fact, you know, the only arc that involves him exactly has to do with characters who, you know, don't understand why there's just a giant rock sitting there and who then later come to understand him as a sentient being within the Force. As far as other Force abilities go, we're not going to cover everything in this episode because there are a couple that we need to talk about at length because of their implications. But for some of the simpler, easier ones to talk about, first of all, the fact that you know, some Jedi skills seem to come naturally to certain Jedi and not to others. 
and sometimes this can be dealt with and sometimes it can't. In the case of Wreath Silas, I think the thing that is presented to us to make him remarkable is discussed as Master Jorah is reflecting upon him in the beginning of the novel and he's thinking about how Wreath works harder, I'm sorry, she, Master Jorah is a she, how um, she's reflecting that Wreath works harder than almost any Padawan she'd ever known and that he tuned in to her thoughts not through his natural gifts but through effort of will and he did it faster than the naturally gifted ever manage. Meanwhile, we find out that the ability to bend somebody's will with the force is a more innate skill than one that's easily taught. According to Master Comac, levitation uh, is a complex art and he reflects that the more academic masters bicker over the reasons why it should be more difficult for Jedi Knights to lift and steady themselves than any other object, but it's something for him that comes naturally. And the Jedi also demonstrate a power that in Jedi Fallen Order, when we see Cal Kestis able to make blaster bolts go slow instead of just freezing, and so he's able to you know walk around them basically, and Master Comac and Master Orla are able to do the same thing in this novel. So that power apparently is one that's been discovered previously and is hundreds of years old. And that, I think, for now, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.